Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to On the Bench. We haven't potted in about a week, uh, mainly because it's just the middle of summer. And um, you guys probably needed a break from us, and we needed a break from Brendan. But we are back and ready to talk some FSU football and recruiting. Um, We got the bench at full strength today. We got Chris, Brendan, Zach, and myself. We are the guys at Knowles 24-7. So if you like the pod and you want more of us on a daily basis, then go check out Knowles247.com. It's where we're at all day, every day. Uh, but today, we are on the bench. You guys ready to uh, you guys ready to pod a little bit today? Chris, you, you, you feeling rejuvenated? You look great. I am rejuvenated, let me tell you. Energy bar up here. <laughs> You're looking fantastic. Zach, how you feeling? All good. This this break's been been great for me, so uh, I'm ready to get back to it. Good, good. And uh, Brendan, we're back. How you how you doing, bud? Upstate New York, well. <laughs> I legitimately I'm not doing this for a dramatic effect. I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, upstate New York was great. I'm still um, here. Under the weather. Yeah, you just stayed up there for an extra week because of the hurricane. And, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm should we just say it? Should we just say I got I got the COVID? Just throw you it out did, there. You did the most Brendan thing you could do. Okay, I just I just wanted <laughs> people to be like, oh, he's careful of the four of us. Is the guy that gets it. Yeah, yeah. I really could have just been out there just sniffing everything and licking everything and mm-hmm. played it real safe. And nope, went went up to see family and got the COVID. Mm-hmm. Good times. Well, that's what you get for seeing family. Um, it's been a busy first week of NIL uh, business, name, image, likeness. Uh, the legislation went into effect on July 1st, allowing players to make money on their NIL. So we've seen now, it's been it's been one week. Uh, we've seen some deals. We've, we've seen the Dreamfield deal uh, with Mackenzie Milton, FSU's quarterback, with an NFT, a uh, digital kind of like a digital trading card it's limited and it came out brendan did it come out officially this week or does it come out next week no it's out now people are bidding on it, it came out like a couple of days ago uh there was mm-hmm. ucf ones i believe which i may have already been bid up and are done and there's fsu ones that are currently ucf ones some kind of bitcoin the ucf ones may have been bid up like you don't have inside info on who's I, I don't, the UCF I don't, Lindsay Milton one up. I, just, <laughs> Look at I you don't over there with your trigger I don't finger. I see them now. You currently listen. I'm sure those went for thousands. Uh, the FSU ones. Well, the UCF fans are probably like, who's going to spend more on McKenzie Milton stuff right now? The UCF or the FSU fans, right? Uh, regardless, uh, the FSU uh, trading cards, NFTs of him are up to like $400, $500 a piece right now that are currently being bid up. So, I mean, that's that's a good chunk of change that he's probably going to get out of that. So yeah, those are, those are currently in the process. Yeah. It's, it's been an interesting week. Um, there's also been a couple players dropping some merch. Um, there's been some content. I've seen a little bit of content. I've, I, I saw um, Cam McDonald put out a couple of YouTube clips or, or I should say YouTube videos, some cool stuff just day to day. And that's what I kind of anticipated. I thought that's what the players would, uh, would kind of pick up on early but chris anything anything stand out to you well dylan gibbons of course used his name to help with the fundraiser for the young man that he's friends with who has some physical situations he's trying to get him here for a game it's exceeded the amount he needed for the game now they're doing some other stuff man i saw a couple guys like you which is essentially an underwear company sponsored some guys Matthew Cleveland, for example, is doing a weekly blog, I believe, with a website, a basketball-specific website that covered his recruiting. Um, 
trying to think what else. Uh, Barstool Sports has sponsored a lot of athletes across college football and basketball and baseball landscapes. I've seen. I think Amari Gaynor. Yeah, I think Amari Gaynor is the only FSU one so far. Yeah, so I've seen some of that. I've not seen anything I would consider from an FSU perspective drastic or super interesting at this point in time. The the interesting thing for me for FSU with these with the NIL stuff is FSU has had two players who have had about the most attention of any other NIL deal that's gone through McKenzie Milton and what he did with Dreamfield and you know, the NFTs and just kind of being at the, the forefront of that at midnight. And then what Chris mentioned with Dylan Gibbons and what he did for his friend that gained national recognition. I mean, other than that, the only other like real big national stories and, and correct me if I'm missing anything here, Josh, but Miami getting, a team sponsorship essentially like six thousand dollars per player i think it's from like an mma gym or something sponsoring almost the entire team and then um the other one i would say is noteworthy is is Kayvon thibodeau in oregon uh getting the the nft card with phil knight which like that just seems like the tip of the iceberg like if phil knight's gonna be able to start sponsoring stuff and the money he has with the the nike uh corporation you know that, that could be pretty significant too yeah, and we fall in the trap of the big three football basketball baseball but for example like jalen howell from fsu soccer also a USA women's national team type member. She uh, She's an ambassador for Florida YMCA's. That's one thing she has done. I, I still hold the belief that, well, we'll see some significant deals in football. I think it's going to be some of those off-brand sports and quotes, Olympic sports, as some people like to call them, where we see some people get bigger deals. Women's men's golf, men's women's tennis, uh, soccer, stuff like that. I think that that's it as it stands now, Chris. But I think if the football team was better, I think that there's more stars than I think they would definitely get the bulk of it. Like if Florida State had a Heisman contending quarterback heading into the season. I think the star right would. now. Yeah, the star would. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're not seeing something... even – we're just not seeing a lot of deals with the FSU football players right now compared well, to could, like Miami. Could you imagine if it was 2014 – like after the national championship with Jameis Winston returning. Oh, so yeah. you have the, you have the star quarterback that could be like the impetus for it, but that would, I think, trickle down to he would have everyone. Tw- he would have 25 sponsorships right now. Jameis. Yeah. Uh, I, public I, scrab legs. I, I do think that the elite level football player slash basketball player slash baseball player, but more so those first two sports, Yes, I think they're going to carry weight. I think Kentucky Duke basketball guys, as November approaches and the season gets ready to start, you're going to see a little bit more of that with those guys. Mm-hmm. The Miami situation got me thinking about what Oregon could do, or really anybody with a large booster base or a company that backs them, right? The the gym donated $500,000, the fight gym, to the Miami Hurricanes. Or not donated, mm-hmm. but, you know, is paying them, right? which comes yeah. out to like $500 a month, $6,000 a year per player. What if Oregon decided, uh, not Oregon, I'm sorry, Phil Knight decided that Nike's going to sponsor Oregon for $10 million this season. Mm-hmm. You're kind of setting the salary for each player. Yeah. And it's it's funny, like these salary caps, like the reason why they're set in – is there a cap in the NB? Oh, no, no. Oh. As I'm, but as I'm saying, as the salary cap is set, this is where we're going into you know these these murky waters, right? Like uh, the NBA, the NFL, how these salary caps set because the owners can't help themselves. Like the guys who who sign the paychecks can't stop themselves from bidding ex- exorbitant amounts of money. That's why baseball these salaries are so outrageous. There is not a cap. Uh, so right now, there's no really set. I mean, there's a few rules, but the guidelines are very very murky. And so yeah, there's going to be some some schools that can offer uh, extraordinary deals that's going to be really interesting at least i think that's how that's going to end up playing now there's going to be these variables where you're paying for players basically uh to, to end up you don't even have to say you can you don't even have to like maliciously say it you can just be you know it's pretty right it's pretty available and out there the information and how much if a school if nike was donating 10 million dollars for the year mm-hmm. recruits could easily do the math and figure out well if i go to this school I'm not making anything. If I go to this school, there's a guaranteed quote unquote salary of X amount of dollars. Can they sponsor, can high school athletes be sponsored by this now too? Like I've seen, no, I've seen high school I've athletes seen, tweeted out. I think out. that's based on state law. Yeah. Okay. 
I don't think Florida they're able to, but in like California, I'm pretty sure they're allowed. Um, th- there was an article about it from our site, okay. the national site, explaining like which states were were allowing it and which states uh, the legislation wasn't wasn't gonna let the athletes get deals at the high school level at least. It's very wild west at this stage. Mm-hmm. I still think it's gonna find itself into a balance eventually. I just don't know how long that eventually takes. Mm-hmm. And what the impetus is for like people said, okay, let's put a little more structure to it too. Cause I think it's going to take, there's going to be some. Uh, Brendan, who can structure it? Like who can set Well, the, the NCAA could, but I mean, they had 10 years run up on this thing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. To prepare for it. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath expecting Mark Emmer and the idiots in that building to suddenly start doing things correctly. I got a, I got a question for you guys related to this. If you were a, a booster, a donor, someone who say like, put $25,000 a year into FSU athletics, UF athletics, wherever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you were always consistently rolling that money in there. Would you take that money and keep putting it in FSU booster and let it keep going into there to where the boosters were able to put that back into buildings and uh, facilities, coaching salaries, whatever, or would you just start sponsoring football players? Hey, you come to FSU and my car dealership will give you $25,000 a year like what's more valuable how would you go about doing that if you if you could legally which now you can go about giving a player money would you do that versus giving it to the boosters for me it would come down to return on investment which which one's gonna for the money i invest which one's gonna give me a better return and obviously that's dependent on how you value return is return winning games so you're gonna essentially go get this kid or is return you know my car dealership selling more cars because we're associated with this young man or young woman yeah, I agree. I, I I mean, if I'm a car dealership, Brandon, I'm probably going to spend my $25,000 on a player sponsorship because it can do more for me than what you said. But if I'm just a regular alum, I'm living out of state, I donate $10,000 a year. I'm pr- Me personally, I'm probably going to continue to donate that $10,000 to the university itself. And then mm-hmm. I'll see what comes up and maybe spend a little extra money on players but I think for the most part, unless you're a brand or somebody that can use a sponsorship, I think you're probably going to leave your money where it's at for now. Maybe you're going to see how this thing pans out. Maybe you're going to spend a little bit extra money than you would normally and you and use it to support the players. But I don't know. It's a personal decision. And it'll be interesting to see how this stuff kind of sets up over the over the next couple of years and if it affects boosters or not. Because I can certainly see what you're getting at. There's only so much I- money to go around. Right. You have to make decisions on it. I don't, I don't know for me, like as a, if I wanted to see my school do well, I think I would be more inclined to throw it to a player and say, let's get the best talent possible. And that will lead to more booster stuff down the road. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's those, those are gonna be decisions people are going to be making. But what about the transfer it. portal? You can sponsor people in the transfer portal. No, I'm too. saying, how would you feel the first time you get burned? You, you, oh. you, 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 you invest $10,000 in a player and then all of a sudden he's in the portal and he's at Arkansas state the next year. Uh, the good old Justin Fields debacle. I'm just saying, you never you never know with the portal now. I think that's going to also play into an interesting dynamic between the players and the fans. What if you buy a bunch of merch from a player, and then the next month he's in the portal and he's going he's leaving your school? Chris, what do you think is going on with compliance right now? Like, you think they're oh just boy. like their heads are exploding? <laughs> they locked the door and unplugged the phones. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is going to be this is also new and, and interesting and kind of fun really fun actually it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in the coming months and, and even like josh said years potentially for what it's worth from an fsu compliance standpoint they obviously tried to educate the student athletes and everybody involved a great deal before this began mm-hmm. they've also continued to push a lot of that over the first week um you know that regularly putting out like uh, social media pages that talk about you can do this, you cannot do that. If you're doing this, you have to report it that way, things of that sort. So there's obviously a clear effort on their part to educate the people involved as much as humanly possible. But ultimately, this is a bit wild west of everything we're dealing with right now. So they're, you know, while they're going to try to keep their finger on the pulse, it's kind of difficult when you're managing what is it? 450 student athletes, I think, roughly at FSU right now. So, you know, obviously not everyone's treading in that territory. We talked to freshmen this week, and none of them really seem to care about NIL because right now they have no value to sell as NIL from their standpoint. But, uh, you know, 
there are enough people doing it that there's still a lot to monitor. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of good that comes of this, like the stuff we see from Dylan Gibbons. And, you know, shout out to him. Did you see um, GoFundMe actually reached out to him and was wanting, you know, to support what he was doing and maybe get involved in some of his NIL stuff? Because even something as simple as starting a GoFundMe was not allowed prior to this. Like you had, I shouldn't say not allowed. You had to jump through some hoops. You had to get it okay. Right. You had, yeah. and, and most of the time they didn't allow it. Mm-hmm. Which shows just how archaic a lot of the NCAA stuff was. And, and, and for Dylan Gibbons, like, I don't, this wasn't his, I don't think this was his intention, but like, you know, he did something really charitable and, and admirable. Right. And uh, on the next first time day. he comes on the first day, like <clears throat> where everyone else was kind of looking, you know, how to build money for their brand or whatever he did that. But think about like the next time he comes out with a product or he comes out to do something like about how many fans he made for himself, how much goodwill he bought. Like, I don't think that was talked about building your I, brand. And that's right. What they're like all he trying to do. And, yeah. And he did that in a very uh, felt authentic and, and just a different kind of way. So it just shows like there's a platform out there for athletes to, to go ahead and maximize their, their actual platform like they can they can go ahead and and do whatever they want now and and that can be used for good it could be used to to make money there's a lot of good avenues out there now which weren't uh readily available or you had to kind of do in the shows beforehand now now it's out there for you to have the access to and it's really cool i think i do kind of hope all this causes a downfall of the ncaa finally like it's overdue i'd be much happier if da5 the autonomous five they decided to create their own constitution and bylaws and live by within their five and go about this because we all know that that group of five really runs the athletics of most major sports and colleges. So, you know, if we were able to move on from the NCAA and be done with that and that sham that it is, that would actually be a very big positive to me of this. Don't forget to- Because at this point, the NCAA has no power. I feel like after the Penn State ruling, people have just decided we're going to do whatever we want. And, you know, maybe they eventually get to us, but I mean, look at LSU. They're just, you know, going about their business however they want. And everybody keeps expecting that O and everybody to get shown the door because of things that have happened and things that have transpired. And I'm not truly convinced that's going to happen because, heck, the NCAA is not going to get around to it anytime soon. And by the time they do, Edo might lose enough that he loses his job anyways. And the next coach and the next group of players will have to deal with the ramifications of something that happened, you know, seven to ten years ago at that point. So, that's just how it feels with the NCAA these days. And it would be kind of nice if we can get away from that and move on from that because, well, me personally, I don't care for them one bit. I don't think they're worthwhile. And I don't think they do a whole lot of positives for the universities or the student athletes. Hmm. Beginning of the end. It could be, it could be. Uh, they seem pretty powerless at this point. <clears throat> and it seems like maybe just something like this could, could tip it over. Um, we've seen also some, I guess, unintended consequences from the NIL as well. Dante Lucas took to his Instagram to complain about, I guess, the amount of branding he was getting. He was upset that FSU hadn't tweeted out his Twitter and IG handles or something to that effect. So I think, you know, this is maybe has some signs to be a distraction uh, we'll see how Mike Norvell and his coaches keep these guys focused amidst all this temptation of, you know, players making money. I think it's going to be a balancing act, you know, and I, and I think it coming out in the offseason kind of allowed the players to focus on their brand and making money. And, and, and I think that once the season rolls around, they'll probably, you know, kind of turn that off a little bit. Yeah, but people that are about themselves are always going to be about themselves. Discontent is usually based on the individual, not the situation. Yeah. And moving on to the Elite 11. <laughs> the Elite 11 was out in California over the weekend. Um, Florida State had their lone quarterback commitment for star A.J. Duffy. Um, even though he's an IMG Academy quarterback, he is a Cali native. So he probably felt right at home performing out in Los Angeles over the weekend. That's where the opening slash Elite 11 was being held. Um, Zach, going to bring you in to talk a little AJ Duffy for a minute here. Uh, what was some of the returns that we were hearing on Duffman? Yeah, well, um, the first, it was kind of like a, a three-part event. Um, the, the first portion was kind of, 
you know, do, doing more skill stuff. And, and, and there was a pro day as well. And the returns from that, from Duffy, weren't, you know, all too impressive. Uh, you know, he wasn't ranking amongst the top quarterbacks uh, within that portion. But, but when the lights came on and, and the seven-on-seven seven portion came up came around, A.J. Duffy um, pretty much looked like the, be- the best quarterback out there, according to our guys uh, from 4-7 Sports that, that were out at the event. Andrew Ivins put up a, um, a 2021 opening final seven-on-seven seven dream team uh, after the event, and the only quarterback that made the list was A.J. Duffy. Um, he said, even though you know, the Clemson commit, Cade Klubnik, might have been named the uh, the MVP of the Elite 11 finals uh, in their construction of the best seven-on-seven team possible. A.J. Duffy was was the trigger man. Um, he, he was one of the quarterbacks that, you know, w- wasn't afraid to push it down the field, which is obviously important um, if you're playing, you know, big-time seven-on-seven football with, with, you know, athletes on both sides of the ball that are, that are just, you know, some of the best in the country because that was also – you know, the opening event as well as the Elite 11 because they, they kind of merged in, in those later days. Um, so, so obviously he has some, some great uh, receivers to throw to, but th- there was no lack of talent on the defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, they, they were taking some some stats from him in 7-on-7. Seven seven. They said he went 8-for-13 for 124 yards and two touchdowns in an elimination game to lead his team to victory. So uh, it, it was clear that, like, that final day really, really raised his stock, um, you know, after, you know, not so great days uh, to, to start the event. And I think, um, I think, you know, he's been described as kind of a gamer. So I'm really excited to see him at IMG because obviously he didn't get to play a junior season um, due to, to, due to COVID, you know, regulations out in Cali, but now he's at IMG with, with a bunch of, you know, extremely talented athletes. So we're going to get, we're going to get to see him, you know, a ton for his senior season uh, out at out in Bradenton. Yeah. yeah. After the first, I was going to add to what Zach just said, Josh. Go after ahead. the first two, three days, I asked somebody via text, is Duffy really doing as awful as it kind of reads like on the internet? They're like, no, but he's been pedestrian. And then I think this kind of adds to it. Steve Wilfong wrote, struggled in drills, struggled in the accuracy deal, struggled on the pro day. But when it was seven on seven, it was time to play some ball and compete. 13 of 15, five TDs on the first night. Terrific against Saturday. He was a gamer. And then Brandon Huffman added that his first two days were a bit up and down, and the target challenge was just okay. But he came alive in seven on seven play. You can tell he's taken a ton of snaps in seven on, looking the most comfortable, quickly getting rid of the ball. He ended this week as strong as, as anyone. But yeah, Zach described it very well that the first portion of it, the first third essentially, he just wasn't very good. He never found himself on that top 11 list for anybody. But when seven on seven began, it was actual game situations. He was very good. Concern I had, and I think we talked about this, the, the pro day challenge, I believe one other event early in it, he kind of ran out of gas in the end of both of those. And it just struck me as kind of weird. I don't know if it's a matter of, I don't know, maybe, you know, sometimes you have an adrenaline dump in the middle of something and that can cause something like that. Maybe conditioning wasn't up, but I don't think that's it. You know, it just struck me as kind of an odd thing that I kind of kept an eye on. But then when seven on seven came out, he finished well in those as much. Yeah. Isn't that of his bread and butter, though? Like that he's better. He's not a guy who's just going to drop back and and wow you with his arm and and his his velocity as a passer. It's more his anticipation, it's his feel for reading a defense to get the ball in the right place with accuracy and touch. So I think it makes sense, right? That that he was a little bit better in the setting where anticipation, reading things was was more on display rather than just you know slinging the ball around. Yeah, I, to be perfectly honest, I think we're all going to care a lot more about what he does on Friday nights than anything he did during that entire stretch at Elite Eleven. I didn't learn anything new about AJ Duffy at the Elite Eleven. Everything that I had seen and heard and watched myself, because I went and watched him at the Orlando Elite 11, where, you know, I, I came back and said I thought he was average as hell. I thought uh, he was bored out there. There was about 150 quarterbacks, seven of which probably are going to be playing at the Power 5 level. So he just looked uninterested at the event I was at, which is understandable. They did everything on air. There was no one-on-one throws. There was no defenders involved. It was just, you know, kind of like the first couple of days of the elite 11. And for me, when it comes to AJ Duffy, 
I don't care what he does running the ladders or throwing balls through hoops or, you know, was George Whitfield out there chasing him with brooms during his pro day? I don't care about any of that. The only thing that I care about is what he does on the field. And from all the returns that we've heard, he is a gamer. From what we heard out there in LA, he was the best seven on seven QB. So kind of everything I knew and heard about AJ Duffy, nothing changed when I saw him maybe be disinterested in the pro day stuff and then come alive in seven on seven game action. And to Zach's point, there will be no quarterback in America that has more prime time game film than AJ Duffy. So all this stuff during the summer, we're going to know what AJ Duffy is by the end of the fall. This stuff in the summer is fine and it's fun to talk about on recruiting sites, but the truth is going to be told this fall. And, um, you know, I'm ready to see AJ Duffy in game situations. Yeah. So I, I was wondering, is IMG's football schedule finalized? They're finalizing schedules out there right now. IMG usually goes down to the end because they're trying to schedule teams all over the country, but it could be all. Yeah. I got to text my boy Don Zalati to see what's up. I think they open with American Heritage of plantation or uh, i'm sorry fort lauderdale yeah i think yeah, heritage good american heritage heritage put out their schedule so you could probably see on there if they're if they're open yeah. so we'll get a good taste there i'm sure it'll play a couple teams in ohio they usually do i i know they're supposed to play a sfa up in maryland which is a similar type of school to them i think it's a school funded by under armor up there so yeah there's going to be tests on that schedule without a shadow of a doubt all right moving on the last time we podcasted FSU and Jarrell Powers were still courting each other. But on July 3rd, Jarrell Powers, Duncanville, Texas, three-star tight end, committed to the Seminoles. Um, Powers, who took official visits to Colorado and Oregon State and Florida State, announced his decision on Twitter, um, put out an edit that he is indeed committed to FSU. We talked a lot about Powers on the last um, podcast because I think it was a day or two before his commitment date. Um, Chris, anything you want to add? Do we need to talk more about Jarrell Powers out of Duncanville, Texas? I just want to get you and your feelings about tight end take. I'm good. I'm good. I'm trying to keep this thing moving. I'm trying to stay positive. He, he's long. He's athletic. He's got to become a better inline blocker. That's the biggest area they're going to have to work with him on. He's a good pass catcher. He's really truthfully a big wide receiver making the transition to tight end. Nice. So um, Florida State's expected to take five more tight ends in this class, and we will keep you guys updated. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. There have been some big commitment updates. Um, not Well, guys putting out commitment dates. Let's start with Emory Jones. He tweeted yesterday that he will be putting out his um, decision, his final decision on July 30th. Uh, so about two weeks from now, a little over two weeks from now, four-star, he's a four-star out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He's been on campus twice. Um, Chris, where's your crystal ball? It's on LSU as it has been since April. Flex on him. There you go. I, <laughs> I put my crystal ball in when Jones dropped the news that he was going to be committing on July 30th. I put it into LSU. I think he's going to choose LSU on July 30th. Um, I expect FSU to continue to recruit him. Uh, as you kind of hit on, there's been some turmoil at LSU. Coach O's under the hot seat, or on the hot seat, I should say, sometimes. So maybe if things go sideways there, FSU will pick it back up. Um, Daughtry Richardson, another offensive lineman, he'll be making his announcement. Zach, is it on the 29th? of july 25th 25th 26th 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 he's visiting you um yeah I'll, I'll talk about him for a second um he he told I, I interviewed him last week just about you know the month of june for him and then what's next mm -hmm. and he went to uh miami arizona state kentucky and florida state for officials in june um he's ready to make his decision he did tell me that he's going to visit florida state at the end of july uh, I think prior to making that announcement. So obviously that's that's good news for FSU and, and his recruitment. So it looked think, like at one point Miami was going to get the last visit because they got his final official visit of June and then it went yeah. dead. And now Dr. Richardson is saying that he's going to actually take one more visit before his decision. Yeah. I, like I asked him, like, are you going to visit anywhere in that last week of July? And he said, Alex Atkins wants him to come up to 
to Florida State again Ooh. for a return trip, and he said he's down. So looks like he's going to make a trip over there before announcing. All right, and he is the three-star offensive tackle out of Miami Central who was actually born in Tallahassee. I know he went yeah. to – yeah, he went to Godby, went correct? to Godby, lived up here early high school years. He still has siblings up here. I believe he told me three sisters in Tallahassee area. But, yeah, he's down in Miami these days. Yeah, he played his junior season at Miami – or, yeah, Miami Edison. He transferred over to Miami Central, uh, you know, and he was participating with them in the spring, and that's where he'll play his senior year at. All right. Well, FSU – is pretty much in a head-to-head battle with Miami on that one, wouldn't you say? He he told me it was 50-50 between FSU and, and Miami uh, heading into kind of, you know, the, the, the decision month. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like where FSU stands with him. Uh, I think getting him on campus again before deciding is obviously, obviously a good sign. Yeah. I like where my crystal ball sits. Uh, I think all – I think there's eight predictions for Daughtry Richardson and a hundred percent of them are to FSU right now another prospect all four of us all four of us are are locked in with our crystal balls and then do I I, have a crystal ball in for him I think you do I think all four of us do I'll double check for you I'm not a follower like some people sure wow (laughs) another offensive line it's but it's not it's not Brendan oh it's the four of us it's just no, a I got pushed out. <laughs> I mean, they sponsored a show. You might as well count. Yeah, that's true. It's a new four. Uh, freaking COVID. <laughs> Down goes Brendan. Um, another <laughs> offensive tackle that's uh, going to make his commitment is Jalen Early. He's not making it early, but he is making it. It's going to be on August 2nd. Um, so it'll come after Emory Jones. It'll come after Daughtry Richardson. Uh, Florida State will probably have a pretty good feeling on um, what their offensive line looks like after Jalen Early or what their offensive line class looks like after Jalen Early makes his decision on August 2nd. Zach, how are you feeling about Jalen Early, who is out of Duncanville, Texas? He is teammates with Jarrell Powers. Yeah, well, I asked him kind of, you know, when, when he – because I he originally planned to announce on – july 15th if i remember correctly mm-hmm. and then he pushed it back to august 2nd i'm like i asked him like are, are you taking a visit at the end of july is that kind of the reason and he said no like he, he told me he's not planning to, currently to take a visit in that last week of july we'll see if that upholds um i think you know the other school in the mix was penn state um for that for that last visit but um he, he told me as of you know last week that he wasn't he wasn't planning to use a visit um in that last weekend, obviously that would that would mean that Florida State was the last school to get him on campus for that final official visit weekend in June. Hmm. I haven't put my crystal ball in yet for early. I know you have, uh, Chris. Have you? I have not, but if I did, it would be for FSU. Yeah, same here. Um, to, to add on a Penn State point, they have three offensive tackle commitments, and one of those is Drew Shelton, who's the best in that class. And Shelton reaffirmed his commitment at the beginning of July. So I don't think Penn State's particularly being aggressive in this recruitment. No, I, I don't I don't think they're you know I still think we spoke on it after the visit weekend. It was what Texas FSU and Tech. Texas Tech were the two. Correct. I still think that's probably the case at this point. Right. I've confirmed Ohio State, even though they brought him in on official, they have not been active with them really in a couple weeks. Um, so yeah, I feel good about where FSU sits with Jalen early. I think that's a, a, another big addition to the class if they can close on that. Um, I think that's it for 2022 commitment dates that came out in the last now, couple of days. Dalen Everett dropped one yesterday, the defensive back from IMG Academy. He's going to announce on July 17th. Okay. And we do not, ex- even though he took an official, he was the only DB to take an official visit, uncommitted DB, to take an official visit to FSU over the summer. Um, Where do you think he's going to head? Well, he took officials to Georgia, and then he took that midweek to FSU and followed it up with end of June at North Carolina. The other big contender in this recruitment is Clemson outside of those three. Mm -hmm. I really think this is a decision between North Carolina and Clemson. I put in a crystal ball for North Carolina yesterday. Okay. feel pretty good about that. If he had waited and put it off, I think he would have shown up to Clemson's all-in lunch affair at the end of July, and that would have made it a bit more interesting. The fact he's doing it now 
makes me think that Dre Blind is ties to the Tidewater area, which is where Daylon Everett's originally from. I think those are going to win out in the end. All right. One last announcement for a uh, commitment came from 2023 quarterback Chris Parson. Chris Parson is out of Tennessee. He came in and visited FSU during the month of June. Um, do we all have crystal balls in for FSU on Chris Parson? I know I, I do. don't know that I put mine in, but I, I, it might be a show crystal ball. Let me see. Oh, might have to be. Has we Chris, have three has Chris ever in. done they are, a show crystal ball? They are the three of you, and now it's going to be four. Per- oh, oh, we got a first. Wow. My man. Chris was flexing on him today. I was probably at a beach or something when this all went down. A Chris toe ball? No, you were probably on the bench. This like all went down in the middle of june i don't think no he- i i think chris that was like the like the few days that he like had to recharge all right it's now in there all right so we're four for four all right somebody alert bud get the whole gang on on board for this one <laughs> so uh all person right. put out what top eight i think it was and he put, put out, out a commitment he, yeah i haven't said the commitment date yet july 22nd will be the commitment date for quarterback chris parson out of tennessee He's choosing from Alcorn State, Kentucky, Louisville, Miami, TCU, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, and FSU. He visited quite a few schools in June. I know Tennessee is one that felt like they were a contender as well, but I believe it's FSU. The timing definitely corresponds with it seeming like it's going to be FSU. He uh, Zach can explain it further, so I don't want to steal his thunder, but big old fan of FSU, so take it away, Zach. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about him on the podcast before, I think after he visited. Um huge fan. He's always been a fan of Florida State, you know, grew up rooting for them in that, you know, the national championship year in 2013. But that visit was just a really, you know, great experience for him and his family. He got on campus and was greeted by the entire coaching staff. So, you know, he felt like he was was made a priority. And I think Florida State's kind of pushing for him to be that that first guy in that quarterback class. And, you know, we're not sure of numbers yet. because It's 2023. And we're still worried about you know, 2022 recruiting, but uh, getting him in the boat um, with him being such a, a good fan uh, of the school, such a big fan of the school uh, early w- would be would be big in, in trying to build that 2023 class, which, you know, hopefully, you know, for, for this staff, hopefully they, they can, you know, bring that to kind of an elite, more elite level than than what we've seen. Yeah. Um, do we think Florida State's going to take two quarterbacks in 2023? If they end up not adding another one in this class, yes. Okay. All right. Moving on to another sort of announcement. Uh, Florida State linebacker t- target, Demario Tolan out of Orlando, is now off the board. Um, he committed to LSU over – I mean, FSU was in it, but always kind of at an arm's reach. It was really a battle between LSU and Miami, in my opinion. Um but it's still a, a pretty big loss for FSU. I consider Demario Tolan probably the best pure linebacker in the state of Florida this year. And it looks like he is heading out of state to LSU right now. Um, what is next on the board at linebacker for FSU? What gets you excited, Chris? Well, we all know I love me some EJ Lightsey, but he named a top six. FSU's part at top six. He's not in a rush. He'll be at FSU for the Notre Dame game. But I think the first name we probably should talk about is Wesley Bissange. Would everybody agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. So FSU Miami battle. There's some others involved. Penn State, West Virginia. I'm probably forgetting. Don't the there, stakes but... for him get turned up just a little bit with Tolan going out of state? Because we know Miami. Miami was probably the team that was kind of banking on on Landon Tolan. That's maybe why they backed off Omar Graham Jr. a little bit, who ends up going to FSU. I think they felt really good about Tolan. They did get him in on their la- the last official visit of June. So Tolan was coming off of that visit, making his decision. Um, I they're, think not this, a high, they're not a high-pressure outfit. Yeah, I don't want to establish free. any fake momentum. Well, yeah, I'll tell you free. one thing, Brendan. It's always harder to flip them than it is to land them outright. So you got to pressure them onto your commit list somehow. But what I'm saying is, does this turn up the heat in state for Wesley Bissett? Do the stakes get a little bit higher, Chris? Yeah, certainly. Especially for the school down south because, you know, he's a backyard boy and they need to get him in there and, 
you know, if he ends up coming here and throwing down to you, that he's really going to piss off Miami long term. So I think he already did that once. Yeah, and obviously he heard about it because he did it. But they had a they had to sit him down. Ray Lewis had to sit him down and and put him in timeout. The reason I love Tolan, I think Tolan's a hell of a player, is because one, he's kind of new age linebacker. Two, he can cover to a lot of different areas. But three, he's a down downfield wrecker. He comes downfield and he gets things done. The thing I like about Wesley is that he's a bit more of the athlete type where he can play to all directions a little bit more, but he can also come off the edge and pressure. So they're sort of similar to some degree. And I think they're both very, very talented guys. And it's not a fantastic year for linebackers. I mean, there, there's another guy out there, Daniel Martin, Atlanta, Georgia area, Marietta, Georgia, I believe to be exact. He's a very talented guy. He's an FSU Oregon Vanderbilt deal right now. He's visited Vandy. He has plans to see FSU and he intends to schedule Oregon. He, he's kind of a safety transitioning the linebacker guy. He's a little bit different. I, I don't think there's a whole lot of guys out there that fall into the same category as what Demario Tolan was before his commitment to LSU and what Wesley Besanks is as a target. So, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree that that's just got amplified a little bit by the fact that Tolan's off the board and going out of state. Okay. You also got Jerron Willis in the mix for for at linebacker for FSU as well. He's a guy that um, is committed to Georgia Tech that we feel like Florida State has a shot at flipping down the road. So we'll see what happens there. Want to move on real quick and run through a couple of new top sixes, top eights, whatever. Uh, Zach, we, we saw an IMG Academy, uh, Kamari Wilson, name a top six, and then wide receiver out of Orlando, Jaden Gibson, name a top eight. FSU included in both of those. But who are the real players for, for in that in those recruitments? Well, I think if you want to if you want to consider FSU a player, both of those guys, you know, they they what the heck? Um, both, those guys, <laughs> <laughs> both those guys they need to the land of official visits with. I think Jaden Gibson has two left, if I remember, and Kamari Wilson probably has one or two as well. Um, mm-hmm. With Kamari, I think the recent um, development has been LSU Florida battle more more. No, I think he was leading Georgia before, but it seems like LSU and, and Florida are kind of the two schools in, most involved with him. And then Jaden Gibson, obviously um, a UF legacy kid and, and a lot of uh, UF ties, but I think Miami's also involved and a couple other schools got him on official visits. Baylor, I think, was one of them. Um, so, it, yeah, Jaden Gibson's thrown out the date of uh, of, a, of FSU official visit for the Notre Dame game. Um, if they can get that to happen, obviously that'd be great for them. Um, but he, he's got a bunch of other schools in the mix. I think Georgia actually just offered this past week, and he included them in his top um, top list that he announced as well. So a lot, lot of schools contending for those final final official visits for both those prospects. So we'll see if uh, Florida State can get, invo- get more involved with them. Yeah. Um, right now I feel like FSU has ground to make up on each of them. Kamari Wilson, I'm really not as familiar with his recruitment as I am Jaden Gibson. I think Jaden Gibson ends up at Florida. Um, I probably should put in a show crystal ball on him, but I don't want to steal Chris's thunder on this show. Uh, Chris, yeah, you can do it. No, 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 no. This is all you, man. You made your first show crystal ball. I feel like it should be a standalone. I'll get my Jaden Gibson in another time. Um, Kendrick Law, a four-star athlete out of Baton Rouge. Is he out of Baton Rouge? I know he's out of Louisiana, but Kendrick Law. Uh, Go ahead. No, it, let's, let's find out what city he's from. Shreveport, right? Shreveport. Captain Shreveport. Okay. He's at Captain Street. That is correct. That is in Shreveport, yes. Lafayette. <laughs> no, we're not doing it again. Kendrick Law is one hell of an athlete, and he came in on an unofficial visit in June to come check out Florida State, put FSU on his radar. Um, it was kind of a surprise to us to see him show up or just to hear that he was showing up because he is such a good prospect. Um in a recent update with Brian Doan of 24-7 Sports, he mentioned that he is setting three official visits. Um, he's going to be at FSU for the Notre Dame game, and then he's also got trips planned to LSU and Alabama. So it looks like Florida State, LSU, and Alabama are the top three teams, are the top three contenders, at least, for Kendrick Law. Uh, Chris, should we be getting excited about him? I, I haven't put him on my top ten most wanted yet. Yeah, you should definitely be excited about him. He's an extremely talented athlete. He can play on either side of the ball. He can help you on special teams. He would be a solution to FSU's running back situation if they want to play him on offense. He could also be an addition to a great defensive back class if you want to put him on defense. Don't get overly excited 
Um, the crystal ball lays on LSU. I entered one. I forget when, but it's been a while for LSU. I, I think that he ends up at LSU in the end. But this is one where FSU, I think, is hopefully banking on a little bit of something finally happens to LSU. If that is the case, FSU is a fallback plan. And they've positioned themselves very well. They're a contender in this, despite the fact that LSU is the expected destination for myself and many others in the network, including, I think, Shay and Billy that cover LSU have crystal balls in as well, if I recall correctly. So, but yeah, super talented guy. I think he's a French top 10 guy because of the fact that it's going to be so tough to pull him away from his home state. Right. Plus, you know, neither of those positions are spots where FSU is in desperately need of a guy. But I do think he would be the best guy to enter that running back room if they put him at running back. And truthfully, I'm not sure what position they put him at. I know, I think we've generally covered him as an expected defensive back for FSU, and that's based on what he's told us in the past and what we've gotten feedback on. But I think most schools are interested in him as a running, or I'm sorry, as an athlete because of the fact that he is so damn talented. He can play on either side of the ball. So he's one of those you get on campus and you kind of figure it out based on what you have on your roster, what he wants to do, and what works best for both parties. Mm. Yeah, I'll dig on that a little bit more and find out exactly what position. But didn't we, didn't we ask him? And he, I'm pretty sure he said DB, and I thought he said he talks to Marcus Woodson. I thought I, yeah, I he did, go back. He to did that say update. DB when we spoke to him in early June, if I recall correctly. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I think it's one of those recruitments where you got to blur that line a little bit and say, you know, hey, we just want you on our team. Yeah. Well, we can't move all our DBs to 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 offense. We've already moved Travis Hunter from DB to yeah. to wide receiver, so we can't. We can't My do opinion it is, if if you okay, so let's think about the running back room. There's what Javante Burns. Well, obviously Rodney Hill committed. Then there's Javante Burns, Jalen Glover. Who else is there? Katron Allen. Katron Allen, but Penn State just got a crystal ball from the Fong. Correct. Um, so those are the main three, right? Am I forgetting anybody at running back? Like Mario Alston's not in that conversation anymore. I don't think they very much view him as a guy after working him out in June. Um, we forget anybody, Zach? You're the young one. Your mind hasn't gone to. I don't feel it. like we are. Javante Barnes, I know, is. is uh... A top guy. Yeah, Barnes anyway. is in no rush. So he's kind of the wild card of all this. I think FSU is in that a little bit better than people want to give him credit for, but they're going to have to overcome Oklahoma and probably USC to some degree as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when Barnes sets up officials, how many takes and gets to a thing. My point that I'm getting to is Kendrick Law is the kind of guy you just recruit the heck out of. You get him on your roster. If you end up whiffing on a guy like Barnes, you don't get Allen and, you know, Glover goes to UF, say, then you could play him at running back, and that room would instantly be better because of a guy like that being inserted. But if you do get a running back, then you just throw him into a great DB class, and you're loaded at that position with what you took in the 2022 group. So I I think that's why law holds so much value. We were forgetting about Terrence Gibbs, who took an official visit to FSU, but Terrence Gibbs, I think, is a UF lean at this point. I, even though he took an official, I don't think FSU did enough to, to truly be in that recruitment. Do you? I, I've always thought of Gibbs as ending up at Florida. I, I find Florida's running back recruiting to be interesting since they're trying to get Glover in end of July, and that one's getting a little more interesting with him, including him, them in his top five, and a decision probably not far off from when he takes that visit. Mm-hmm. Are they going to take two? Or are they going to take Gibbs and Glover as their two? I think they can. Yeah, I, I like Glover, but he doesn't set my world on fire. Gibbs is a guy coming off a knee injury who's very talented, but what is he after knee injury? You know, there, there's just a lot of question marks at running back. I feel that way about what they're doing and what FSU is doing. I think Barnes is most talented of all those running backs who is solely a running back. Um, I think Barnes would fit FSU extremely well with what they do with the running back, even though Rodney Hill to some degree is also that kind of idea and player of right. versatility. All right. That's it for recruiting talk. But before we end the podcast, we're going to do a little football talk. I mean, we got Brendan Sinone here anyway, so we might as well use him. Uh, Brendan, you want to talk some football? Yes. Okay. Oh, am I supposed uh, to direct it? No, 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 no. I, I just want to ask you a few questions. Here we go. What's up Hell with yeah, Chubba? Hell yeah, I want to talk football. I feel like the people are itching for it. What's up with Chubba Purdy? <laughs> the ice he's throwing, he's throwing footballs off of a off of a dock to his brother on a on a jet ski. I wanted to talk about what the him. people want to talk about. Can okay. you confirm his 
location. His location. Down, uh, down uh, to longitude and latitude. Drop a pin. I think he was back in Tallahassee. I think he went back home. I think he'll be back in Tallahassee oh fairly soon. All right. All right. I think Thanks for the update on name. <laughs> you should do a name image likeness deal with Chubba Purdy. Uh, Just the anxiety level for Chubba is uh, is something, but no, I think he'll be in town and around uh, pretty soon. So are all the players? They all went home for the fourth. So I think they'll. All yeah, they were basically FSU gave us a break from the fourth to like the twelfth. Yeah. So Brandon, um, that includes coaches, but I think newcomers are still on campus. But go ahead, Josh. There's a lot of concern over Chubba Purdy on the Knowles 24-7 message boards. What, but what is – is he the third or fourth string quarterback on this team? He's probably the third string quarterback at best right now. Um, yeah, I made some McKenzie Milton and, and Jordan Travis deal uh, for, for starting, and then Chubba and, and Tate Rotemaker are kind of the, the next tier of guys. So just I guess it kind of depends where Chubba is with his progress, with his shoulder. I mean, that continues to be – I think he's had what three procedures on it mm-hmm. since since this past August. I think that we know of. Uh, so I think that's the the main concern is that the the shoulder keeps acting up, and I think the anxiety comes from people being alarmed that he's an out of state player. You know, the West Coast quarterbacks FSU hasn't had a lot of success with, and and often when those you know don't work out, they they don't work out in a spectacular fashion. I mean, Millie Henry being an extreme version of it, but but that happens a lot of the time with the West Coast kids is when they don't work out that they end up going home. Um, so I think that's where a lot of that anxiety is, is coming from. But right now he's, he's a true freshman still technically uh, after this first year, eligibility didn't count. Uh, and he's had just a lot of injuries uh, to the same area uh, uh, where he hasn't had a lot of time to consistently practice. So I think some of it's premature, some of the anxiety and like wondering where he is at all times. Like he's a kid who's trying to figure things out and get healthy. Mm. It's often not as sensational as we want to make it out to, to see. could often be explained. All right. Any other injury news updates? Anything um, that you picked up over the last couple of weeks? How's Emmett uh, Rice? Let's, like, what's his uh, yeah, status? Emmett Rice, we saw walking around at camps. He's moving like he's walking normally. Does not need any crutches or braces or anything like that. I I think right now, I think it's a fair expectation to play this season, but we don't know. We still haven't gotten like specific word on what the injury is. FSU right. declined to comment on it. Uh, it is a leg injury, and I. I think it's fair to assume that he'll play at some point this season. Um, whether it's for the opener, I I can't confidently say that, but I, I do think Everett Rice being around, being engaged, uh, moving well when, when we see him walking, like he's just walking normally without a limp. Like I think those are all good signs. Bernard Green has been dealing with like a turf toe injury. We've seen him in the boot pretty consistently for about the last like four or five months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's working to, to be ready for the start of the season. That would be big because, you know, he, he was a fairly consistent member of the secondary last year at safety at a new position in the first five games of the season. So that's a guy that you hope is uh, is healthy at the start of the year, and it seems like it's trending in that direction. I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, Thomas Schrader, I know someone that people were asking for the specific injuries a lot. Uh, I don't have the specifics on it. I know it was a leg injury. I know that we've seen him, observed him still like on, on crutches and canes, and yeah. uh, that seems like there's still a little ways to go for, for him, unfortunately. Here, Thomas is another guy that we didn't see during the spring that during the camps in June appeared to be moving around fine and from what i've heard and from what some of those guys spoke about in those newcomer interviews in recent days he's definitely working with them and doing stuff so i think he's back to normal yeah, it was more good to go they were more trying to i think it was like an ankle sprain or something they just didn't want to, to force it and he's a five-year player so at this point i think they kind of know like what he is um obviously you want to get him like integrated into the scheme but they know what care thomas is so like they didn't want to push him a ton in the spring I'm trying to think if there's anyone else, Josh. Oh, uh, Miko Dotson is someone I think they're confident is going to be ready to go at the beginning of camp. But, but Chris, have you heard like that? I think I think the fan base in general is sleeping on Miko Dotson compared to like what FSU internally thinks he's going to be. Like I think they're thinking he's going to be a starter at cornerback for them. Oh, they love him. I, yeah. I actually had a conversation with somebody. It, it began because we were talking about Kevin Knowles and just how good he was in the spring and how prepared he was. And you know, they they were kind of, the person I was discussing this with was kind of like you know Kevin is the kind of kid that we could rely on early if we need to, but I don't think we'll need to because we have a guy like Miko. I think he's a guy that will play in relief of Miko or in addition to Miko. So yes, I definitely think they are very high on Miko Dodds, and that's been true since the moment he arrived on campus last year. He just really struggled to get healthy. I mean, arguably one of the better defensive games they had last year, and yes, they weren't that good in this game either was uh, UNC, and that's a game that Miko actually played a decent amount in. 
and he gave up a couple of completions, but he was like in perfect position and forced a really good, you know, forced uh, Sam Howell to make some really good throws and the wide receiver to make really good catches. So I think that's what you get with him. I'm trying to find the numbers real quick on it, but like with the top 40 list that we're doing, uh, like that was probably the biggest discrepancy between what we had as a collective staff, even though it's mostly just, just me and you guys telling me I'm stupid uh, for where I have guys and, and where the readers had him uh, was probably the biggest difference. Like we had him at 23. I think the reader uh, collective was, I don't even know if he was ranked, to be honest. Yeah, so, I, I, I think there's a fair chance he's one of two starting primary corners. He was 34th from the readers, so it was a pretty big discrepancy. I got a question for you, Josh. You ready for this? Hmm. ACC media days or later this month, I think what, July 23rd, 24th, yeah. uh, something like that. Uh, who Who's FSU going to send up? One offensive player, one defensive player, who you got? They're going to send Mackenzie Milton and Amari Gaynor. But if they send Milton, that's them admitting that he's the starting quarterback. Oh, they'll send Cam McDonald and Amari Gaynor. Who do you think they're going to send? Go ahead, so no. I think Jay Sean Corbin on offense um, uh, is who they'll send. Uh, on defense, Amari Gainer is a good one. I'm trying to think of anyone else. Maybe Robert Cooper. Uh, is yeah, it I'll one go Amari Gainer. Is it yeah, it's almost always uh, one one offense, one defense. One and one. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Corbin Gainer right now. Is if I had to bet on it, that's who I'd lean on. Mm. Okay. What about sending? Dylan Gibbons. What about sending Dylan Gibbons? Too. Or is he not been? Well, I don't think you send a new guy who that is that fresh in it because so much of their answers is going to be, I'm just trying to fit in. I'm trying to get a feel for it. I think you got to send a guy who is in his second year as part of this program under Mike Norville. So is that why Mackenzie Milton doesn't get it? Or or is it more of a statement? Well, no, I think you don't send Milton because then you're just saying he's a starting quarterback and I we're going to play that game, I feel like. I forgot. I forgot that we were playing that game. I mean, I didn't want to play that game. If we all recall correctly, I'm the one that was yeah. adamant about need to name a starting. You and I both thought that end of spring. But yeah, I I could see Love Taylor or Corbin offensively, and mm-hmm. then defensively, I think there's several options. But I think Gainer is one that's probably got the best personality and can handle himself, and would truthfully be kind of a good representative in the sense of some bubbly excitement, which they'll need in that. Plus, setting. he's a good player on defense. Yeah, and he's a guy that you want to be on all ACC teams. I, I think you think about that to some degree, too, is mm-hmm. who are we promoting to be on all ACC potentially for us? And I think that's why Gaynor is definitely a defensive option. I think Love Taylor could be an offensive option for that same reason. Have you guys been following the top 40 countdown? It's pretty fun. I wake up every day and read it. Do you really? First, first thing I read. Well, yeah, I usually it? do read them, yes. Josh is uh, relieved. Remember last year, Josh, how much you had to do for those? I yeah. He's got you this year. <laughs> wow. That was crazy. Could, could you take the top 40, cut in uh, four segments, 10 each, 1 to 10, 11 to 20, shake those up, lay them out any 10 ways, and they'd be the same pretty much like, you know, 10 Outside could be 1, 1 could 10. be 10. Oh, like so a tier system? Yeah. Um. And there is a clear tier system. Let me pull it up. There is a, there is a very distinct, like the top, I think six or seven. Uh, but no, I think that like the top three or two is like McKenzie Milton and Jermaine Johnson. Well, uh, we, we sure. all know that when we for name a top three or four in the top 40, it always goes really well like last year, right? Oh my God. That last year's list is, uh, is something. If you want to go back and look at what expectations were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had Baby on Johnson for some reason in the top ten for Josh. That was Josh's list. fault. That was just all right. If we're being honest, that was <laughs> honestly an oversight that I just had to. Instead of admitting it was an oversight and a mistake, I really leaned into it for like two years now. I've been leaning in. Well, a year now, I've been leaning into it. But that was really just an oversight, and I just didn't want to admit that. No, I, I, I. I think we all knew that's what was happening. <laughs> I know a top 40 conversation we had last year is who's the biggest swing player? Like who's the guy that can make the biggest individual difference for FSU's results? Last year, you Brandon thought it was Jordan Young. No. I mean, like James Blackman probably was the biggest swing guy. That's why I yeah. had him at one. Chris had him at 10. But like, I mean, in terms, I guess where their importance becomes a part of the, like, as we define it, like James Blackman was important because right. if you were able to get competent play out of him, that's a 500 football team. Uh, without that, you know, they had to redo their entire offense midway through this season. Um, 
I viewed it the same way as you did, Brendan, like good or bad. His play was going to impact this team more than anybody else's. And that's why I had him him at number one. Right. Didn't I? I I had him at 10 because if I didn't include him in my top 10, there would have been a revolt among those on this podcast with me. (laughs) But Uh, our own reasons for it. We all all had our own reasons. Um, Personally, I would have had him 41. I don't want to spoil it, but like, so I'm looking at, at the way our the way the list is shaken out between us and then the composite from the readers. There's one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, of the top of the top twenty, almost half of them are guys who transferred in at some point. Yeah. It just shows like how heavy the the turnover has been the last few years. Yeah, I think so. Jermaine's the biggest swing guy on the team, though. To answer the question, I the question. Is, sorry, you asked a question uh, for you, but I, I do. I think the 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 ability for the defense to be better, the ability for the team as a whole to be better, the ability for them to create some momentum, real momentum, on defense is all beginning with Jermaine Johnson. I know that's a lot to put on one guy's shoulders, but they so desperately need a pass rush, and he's and there's no one else who most really likely shown can they generate can, it. No one else has really shown they can do it either, as, as yeah. part of the reason why I imagine you're saying that, Chris. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, it's McKenzie Milton. For the same yeah, reasons. I and I know you have Jordan Travis as a backup. Like, if that doesn't work out and you show you could at least do something competently with him. But, you know, if Mackenzie Milton is even 80% of what he was pre-injury, I think the we'll level take of it. confidence. Yeah, I think I think that just impacts the offense so profoundly. Like, when was the last time they had consistent passing from a quarterback uh, at FSU? I mean, it's Jameis, right? Like, that's the last time that the, the offense has really been humming with consistent, like, a, a full arsenal of offense where you can do whatever you want to do scheme-wise. It's been a while. And Milton gives you that to an extent. Yeah, I mean, if there were right. moments in 2016. But, yeah, from yeah. beginning to end, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah early on in with DeAndre Francois in 2016, and it kind of fell off a little bit by the end of the year as people realized how to, you know, what he could and couldn't do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could feel like people are getting a little excited for the season. And I mm-hmm. am uh, – I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we go up to ACC kickoff. I'm glad I got my COVID out of the way. I don't have to worry about getting it on track. We were anymore. like a month away from the start of fall camp. Fall it's camp starts away. August 6th or 7th, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. 6th yeah, or 7th. Yeah, so I mean, we're we're less, less than a month, than a month. away. Less than a month yep. away. Talking sure, to man. newcomers, talk to them on Wednesday, talking to them next Wednesday. Oh, Chris, give them the update on the, we talked about the weights for the incoming freshman defensive end when they were listed on the roster a couple weeks ago and, and people were freaking out. So maybe you can give a little uh, update there on, on the Patrick Payton and George Wilsons of the world. Yeah, that's George Wilson, you know, came in at 189 light coming off of back-to-back basketball and football seasons there in the spring. He said he's over 200. He's still really thin, having seen him quite a bit in June. Um, Patrick Payton is around 225, 230. He hopes to be around 230 for the season. Payton has taken quickly to wait from what I've been told, plus what he said. Um, I do feel like he's one that's a little bit ahead of schedule in the sense of bulking up. Uh, who else did we talk to? Sean Bray Jackson's around 250, 255. He expects to play around that weight this year. I still think he's probably a strong side type guy who can slide inside here and there. Josh Farmer, who did not talk, we know, has gotten very big very quickly again. I think he's more primary inside type guy, year one. Um, we also spoke with, help me out here. Byron Turner. Byron Turner, again, around 250, 255-ish. Uh, Byron's noticed. Two, he's big. 255 already? I, I think so. I'll I mean, double-check that interview real quick. We talked um, about that before. When we saw him in person, Chris, uh, the first time, like I – I think Josh and I both saw him. We couldn't figure out who it was. Uh, he was a good-looking prospect. We weren't sure who he was, and it was Byron, and he had the big shoulders, and um, it looked like the guy who was maybe the most physically ready just, just from a, you know, passing the eye test to, to contribute. Uh, to he said, bed. going into the season, I'd like to be at 250, 255 in that area. I'm close to it right okay. now is what he said. Okay. Um, I'd, I'd take the over on 240 with him right now. I think he definitely is carrying that. He, he was noticeable in the June camps of being a guy that kind of stood out because he was physically already kind of big. For sure. Um, and then Shaheen Brown, who spoke a lot about, you know, basically being a safety for the first time in his life. He expects to play boundary safety and nickel. Uh, you know, it'll be a bit of transition for him, but he said hitting is the key to the game for him at that position. And that's not something he shies away from. He's very comfortable with that. So we got those five on this past week. We're supposed to get several more next week. I think we'll pretty much wrap up newcomers we haven't spoken to to this point in time. 
All right. Uh, any other football news you want to get out, or should we? Um, it looks like I have one rating and review to read here on Ooh, iTunes. Let's let's read it. Let's hear it. If you guys want to get your review read on the bench, go to our iTunes and leave a review. That's how you do it, and I will read it. So this one was a five-star review. Listen up. We don't read four stars. We don't read three, two, ones. Josh, we read a five-star review. All right. This one from Eric73764. Took a bit, but now hooked. That's the the title of the review. This one's kind of long. Good thing we only have one. (laughs) I started listening about a year or two ago just to get more FSU football content. Honestly... I almost stopped because Brennan was in that phase of apologizing for everything like 50 times a show. I stuck through (laughs) it and now love the podcast. I am not sure what the guys are like off the show, but Josh seems cool and someone you could go drinking with. Chris seems like he keeps everyone in line and is all around a solid guy. Brendan seems like he is exhausting to be around, but he likes bourbon. So he has that going for him. I like Zach but I am not sure if he is soft-spoken or just doesn't like the guys as much as they like him. Probably true. I imagine him on Zoom calls with his camera off, just shaking his head at Brendan a lot. True. Overall, great podcast. (laughs) Zach turned on the camera. It was off. He turned it on to shake his head and then turned it back off. (laughs) Overall, great podcast. In these days, really the only FSU podcast I listen to on a regular basis. A lot of good insight and coverage and cover every relevant and sometimes not relevant topic related to FSU football. Go Knowles. Oh, in PS, someone please get Josh O'Brien Courtney jersey next season. (laughs) That was a good one. Oh, man. Do you think people who get annoyed? No, never mind. No, you know, we're leaning into it. No, apologize. I'm not. I'm sorry. Um, Do you think people like I am an. annoying to an extent in real life but like do they understand that's part of the dynamic of the podcast i don't think so sometimes i forget it too (laughs) but it's just the dynamic of the podcast it's a dynamic of us as like co-workers and friends too i feel like too like this is a fairly authentic all right play the shitty outro music let's go thank you for listening to on the bench this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better because my all-new santa fe is available with h-track all-wheel drive so i can hit the trail without a worry in the world Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.